Don't miss this moment right now. <laughs> Don't miss this moment right now. Come on, reach out. Oh, he's so close. He's walking right by you. Reach out and touch him right now. Don't miss this moment. <laughs> I just want you, Jesus. I just want you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We just want you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Sometimes we tend to rush things. What we have in this room right now is so beautiful and rare to the world. And there is such a hunger that has been built this morning. I feel the hunger for more. Every class was amazing. We didn't just get information, but we got word, anointed word. Oh, that always lives on. Always. But I really believe the Lord wants to do something right now, and I don't want to miss it. Is there someone in this building that you do not have the gift of the Holy Ghost? You have never spoken with tongues before. If you will come right now, or if you don't want to come and you want to lift your hand right now. The Lord will fill you right where you are. Church, close your eyes and bow your heads a moment. We want people to feel totally comfortable. Don't miss this moment. If you have never spoken with other tongues, Jesus has not yet moved in your heart. You can have this. This is for everyone. And it's what's going to take us up when Jesus comes. Don't miss this moment. Lift your hand right where you are if you want this. Lift it high so I can see you. Because, Okay, if you are not opposed to coming and sitting on the front row, if you raised your hand, I want you to come as an act of faith and sit on this front row right here. God's going to fill you. Come on, slip out of your seat and just come. Don't miss this moment, friend. Power and presence of the Lord is so strong right now. He's drawing you. The Bible says no man comes unless he draws them. There are at least three very urgent physical needs in this building. That you need God. You need him to heal you now. I want you to come stand in front of this open. We believe in calling for the elders of the church. We believe in anointing with oil. Pastor Meyer, is this okay? Can you get the oil, please? And the elders of the church, those who pray for people who are sick. I want you to get ready to pray. for. Now, we're not just going to pray and say, oh, well, they came again and we prayed again. And that's nice because we're obeying the word. We're going to believe God for their healing. Come on up here, honey. 
She got the Holy Ghost last time I was here, and she's not able to come back because of a physical condition. She barely got here today. God is going to heal her. So he wants her in this house every time the doors are open. Amen. Do you believe God can do anything? You believe he's a healer? We believe in divine healing in this church. We're going to see signs and wonders and miracles. Amen. In this new year. All right, those that pray for the sick, come in close so I can see you. Come in. We have oil ready to anoint you and pray for you. All right, now, <clears throat> Pastor Cisco taught me a lot of things. I'm talking about Bill, the late Bill Cisco passed away, and he taught me something that I, I learned. God never heals when there's fear. Fear is the opposite of faith. What happens to you when, when you get really sick? You get fear. It opens a door in the spirit world, and you automatically hear that voice that says, you're not going to make it through this. You're going to die. This is a sickness unto death, and you're going to die. Anyone who is ever chronically ill or acutely ill with something serious fights fear. So we bind that spirit of fear. We have authority over it and we command it to leave you and loose you and it's got to go. Then we can step into the arena of faith. Then the next thing that happens is we don't just pray a generic prayer over all of you. We're going to speak to what's wrong. So it's important that we have women in the church that will go to the women. Okay, so you feel comfortable telling a, another woman perhaps what's wrong, men to men. Okay, we have those people ready and we ask you, okay, how can I help you pray? How can I pray for you? I'm going to bind the spirit of fear. Then you're going to tell me what's wrong and I'm going to speak to it. Listen, body, obey your maker in the name of Jesus. And you speak to that condition. There is nothing here that will hinder an absolute healing service, a miracle service that in the days and weeks, even some of you hours to come, you're going to say it happened right then. Amen. This is where this, this church is on a launching pad into the supernatural this year. That's what this is all about. And if I would be a little wise here, I would believe that you have been under such pressure and tremendous anxiety. And the devil has really pressed on you this year, carrying over into this year, the past year into this year, because he knows where you're headed with all of this. And he's not happy. The strategy has been, let's stop him. And I'm going to come with anxiety and fear and all of this pressure. You, you felt like you've been in a pressure cooker. It's lifting today. You're going to step into complete liberty. The mantle is going to be finalized today. Amen. Now, church, this is not your time to sit back and just relax. This is your time to stretch your hands toward the front, to close your eyes, to be a part of this body. Nobody's a spectator. You stretch your hand out, close your eyes, and get in the Spirit right now. Most of you ought to just go ahead and talk in tongues because the Spirit knows how it ought to pray. And we're going to step forward and begin to pray for these people in faith, believing right now.
Say, I received my healing. Wave it in the air. I got my healing today. <laughs> Jesus healed several. The hours and days to come are going to show forth the goodness of the Lord and what he's done in this moment. We don't want to miss those times that the water's being stirred. Amen. We don't have such a program going on that we can't stop for Jesus, right? Amen. Thank you for following me into that today. I left you this morning with my story. I think most of you were here and you are still here as you make your way back to your seats. Thank you for staying. Um, I think that's very cool how they had giveaways at the end. Tricked ya. So if I look up and you've left now, I'll know why you stayed. You know, you don't want to do that. She wants to stay till the end. I know there's nobody here like that. I'm just being facetious. Not a sea fish, facetious. I told you what the Lord was going to do, and He is. What we have gathered into our spirits, our minds, has been transferred into our spirits today. And we are going to birth before we leave. And all I can do is tell you my journey. And I left you off this morning to prepare you the foundation for what has happened thus far. With a hungry, hungry heart, I just wanted more. If you're not there, then you pray for it. You don't want to miss it. If you don't have a hunger to see souls saved, pray that God gives you that hunger. I'm not sure we'll be saved without a hunger. He said, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my lambs. The Bible tells us to win the laws. That's, what, that's our mission. It is not just to gather together in a building and have good church. It is to go out from here to win the laws. But how do we get there? Well, in my closing or opening session this morning, I left you with that moment in time where the hunger got bigger than the flesh. And I made a declaration that morning and I spoke into the spirit world something. It came out of my insides when I said, I want a double portion. And I meant it. What does that mean? That means I want it all. I don't want to be on the fringes of church just working and, and doing things around the building and just uh, status quo, never really praying, no prayer life, no fasting, just going to church and working for God a little and checking off the box. So you have to have that hunger. And if everybody has that hunger today, I am telling you, this building's not going to hold the harvest that's going to come in even this year. Amen. We are setting on that launching pad today of birthing something in the Spirit. So before you're seated, I want you to lift your hands and say, Lord, prepare me to give birth in the Spirit today. Prepare my heart. Help me to be ready. Generate a hunger in me, a burden for the lost today before I leave this building. In Jesus' name, you may be seated.
So I'm sitting in the back of the church, backslidden. I look fine. People can look fine and not be fine. And I decide it's all or nothing. There comes a time when you're faced with the decision of, I want purpose in my life and I want to do the work of the Lord. I want to do what he sent me to do. I want to be effective in the kingdom. Most of the time it will cost you something. So we don't want it to cost us anything. We pull back. We think it'll be easier just to maintain coming to church and going through the motions. But it will not work if you have a calling to do something for God. And if you really, really love Jesus, you are going to give birth to a burden eventually. A burden for the lost. Now that looks different for different people. All I can tell you is my experience. But when that preacher came back to me, he called me out after I shouted at the top of my lungs. Now you have to understand, I am a Pentecostal girl. I've been raised in this. This is all I've ever known. So that's not a guarantee that you won't backslide or that you'll pray and fast. So don't use that excuse of I haven't been in the church very long. Many times it's the newcomers that come in and they're so thankful for their new life and their testimony that they outdo us that have been in church all our life. So don't make that an excuse. I should have been further up the road in my 30s. I should have known what to do. I should have been there, but I wasn't. So realizing that is the first step and hunger is the second. I realized... I have to know how to pray. I have to, I have to fast. I have to, I got to get this stuff in my life going on right. I, I, my relationship with the Lord is lacking. And facing that reality drove me to that point. Well, when the preacher came back to me and I stood up and made my declaration of wanting a double portion. Listen, Satan is the prince and power of the air. That's why prayer is so important. That's why when we pray... And we worship, we don't just sit back and mumble. Think about how we are invading the territory of the enemy, the air, the prince and power of the air, the airspace, when we use our voices. That's why we worship, why we sing, why we shout. Don't be afraid to use your voice. And when you pray at home, and you're praying in your private place, don't be afraid to lift your voice. The devil hates it because he's the prince of the air and your voice is going up into the air. He holds his ears and runs. So me shrieking that out, understand that I did not, the last thing I wanted was to be embarrassed. By that point in life, I had the perfect Pentecostal persona going on you know I had a head full of curls up to here and I don't want those messed up and I, I certainly don't want my eyes swollen my nose running and and I certainly don't want you know to be a spectacle pride and I would watch sometimes where people would get prayed for and they would fall out in the floor and I would think that preacher pushed a little too hard, and they just gave, gave him a courtesy drop. That's ridiculous. Judgmental, full of pride. I'm telling on myself. 
I thought that was ridiculous. I wouldn't want to do that. What if my dress goes up? What if I mess up my curls? That would be terrible. Judgmental, because, you know, I'd been raised in this. I, I know how to do this. I had to come to a point where I realized I didn't know how to do it. And I wasn't doing it. And what does he do but lay his hand on my head? He does not push hard at all. But my knees are buckling. My whole body is buckling. I mean, and the whole church is turned around and looking at the back row where I am. And, and here I am. I just screamed at the top of my lungs out in the middle of a service. I want a double portion. People are... People like me are standing there. Has she lost her ever-loving mind? We knew she was strange, but wow. (laughs) And the next thing I know, he is praying for me, and he is prophesying over me. It's a real deal, friend. And he is telling me about a ministry that is shut up in my bones from a child and how God was waiting for this moment for me to just surrender all and not worry about what anybody else thought and to surrender to that calling. And that this day I was going to give birth to a burden for the lost and I would never be the same. And he's prophesying. And as he's prophesying, I'm trying to stay standing up and I can't. How does that even happen? I did not give him a courtesy drop. I found out that those people that would drop like flies in the altar had not lost their mind or their dignity at all, but they had decided to surrender all, and they didn't care what anybody else thought, and they were ready to step out and to do something for Jesus that other people dared not do. Hallelujah. And there I went, bam, between the seats in the back. And I am on the floor in a fetal position. You talk about curls messed up. Somebody covered me up with something, so I must have had a dress problem. There I was. The farthest place from my, that I ever wanted to be. But on that floor, when Brother Cisco came back, And preached his message. I wasn't loud. I didn't disrupt anything. I'm just in the presence of the Lord. And I am back there talking in tongues. Just quietly. The Spirit is making intercession for me. And I am talking in tongues. I'm curled up in a fetal position. And an angel comes. And I have a vision. And that angel takes me by the hand. And the whole time he's preaching. And the altar call goes on. And until the end of the service. I'm talking in this strange language. That is not the language I got when I received the Holy Ghost. It's a new one. Wow, I didn't know you could have new ones. And I'm just talking and talking. And this angel is taking me to church after church after church. And I'm standing in front of congregations of children and men and women and children, families and children. And and I'm preaching the gospel. And then I'm laying my hand on their heads. And they're falling out speaking with tongues. And then I whoosh, I'm in another church. And this is going on again. And whoosh, I'm in another church. And the whole time this is happening. Years, years later, I step in churches on foreign soil and in the United States, and I walk in somewhere I have never physically been, and I look around, and the Lord says, remember? And I look and think, I've been here. I've been right here. 
the first time I came when you were in the, the school building over there. I'll never forget when I walked in. I knew God was going to connect us because when I walked in that door, the Lord said, remember? And I said, yeah, I've been right here all those years ago and I was right here and you know that that first crusade with you with my little boat set up in that in that gymnasium 18 were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost men women and children the bond and the spirit was made it's been forever made God did that but that was one of those places this is so much bigger than what we understand or live in you have to want it you have to want it God won't force it on you I got up from the floor and I'm, you know, talk about disheveled and I'm sitting on that back row. And you know what happens when you talk in tongues for a very, very long time? You get really drunk. I've never been drunk in the natural. But I didn't make that up. That's what the Bible says. They came out of that upper room. Everybody thought they were drunk. Wayne Huntley preached a message one time I'll never forget. We're not as drunk as we're posed to be. And that's the truth. If we'd leave this building without our little pretty selves and get up in the altar and talk in tongues till we can't stand up and get in the presence of God and decide we want something from God and we want God to use us to do something great and we're not settling for just the plain and ordinary anymore. If we just plant ourselves and make up our minds, I'm not getting up until you bless me. We'd go out so drunk the whole world would know something happened. I got up and I'm sitting on that back, you know, just giggling and grinning. And, and I'm just, I am totally overwhelmed by the presence of God. And I don't care what anybody thinks. And, and Brother Jason Sisko came back to me. Now he's young. He's just getting started at this point. He comes back to me and he puts his hand out. And when he opens his mouth, the shock comes on his face. Because he's speaking in tongues to me and I answer him in tongues you say oh now come on I'm telling you it happened we live so far beneath what we can have for 45 minutes we communicated in the same language I knew every word he said he said to me he didn't know me at all he said you are a school teacher I see you standing at a chalkboard you're a school teacher but you won't teach school this will be your last year because you're going into full time ministry he was prophesying over me in tongues and I understood every word he said we can sit around just have normal church or we can have that kind of church but it costs it costs. The demon that was assigned to me, I said, oh no, she woke up. Oh no, she remembers what it was like to pray when she was a little girl. Oh no, she's remembering her calling, what God laid on her to do. That's what the devil's saying about you today. He would like for me to shut up and sit down right now because it's stirring up something in you. Some of you were told when you were little boys you're called to preach the gospel. Some of you girls were, ladies were told when you were little girls that you're going to do something great for God. You're going to go to the mission field. Some of you have old, old dreams that you have let die that God is churning you 
today. He's stirring up in you. He has given you what it's going to take through these wonderful classes, the study of the word, the reading of the word, the fasting. He has given you all that you need to bring that to fruition. The last step is right now. It's me. It's this last service. I'm delivering to you the last step. And that's to get in an old-fashioned altar again and give birth to it. I didn't know where to begin but I knew something happened to me I got up and I started to go to the car I could not stop talking in tongues now people that used to do that I've been out to eat with them after church you know when we were young people in the church we'd all go out after church there was you know some of them that be drunk on the Holy Ghost and the waitress would come and they'd say to the waitress and we'd go stop that it's embarrassing. Stop that. They were drunk. They were drunk on the Holy Ghost. Bonafide drunk. Wouldn't it have been wonderful if we'd said, Oh, what just happened to them can happen to you. Let me explain it to you. You see, you got to get bold enough to do it. What, Brother Vernon and I prayed a, a, a little young waitress through the Holy Ghost in the front, front seat of our car. I probably told you that story before just a, a year or so ago. In the front seat of our car. We ministered to her in the restaurant. She wanted the Holy Ghost. We waited till she got off at 10 o'clock. And she got it in the front seat. Four steps of worship. The Holy Ghost filled the car. We're going to see the supernatural. We're going to begin to see things that we have never seen before. But we got to get up and do something. we got to give birth to a burden for souls. There has to be something that bubbles up in us that says, I want to win the lost. Oh, man. Remember the prayer chair? <laughs> I never, I never prayed at that prayer chair again. But, you know, the one with the right lighting and the devotional setting and the clock across the room. Oh, no. Because what happened to me when I went home and slept that sweet, sweet, sweet sleep that night of being in the Spirit the next morning when I arose and I put my legs over the side of the bed, Jesus was there. Something shifted. Something changed. Don't live without that. I regretted the years that I did live without it, even though I was in my early 30s. He was there. I'm telling you, there was such a sweet communion and presence of the Lord that began to go with me. Everywhere I went, when I went to school, he was there. When I got in the car, he was there. When I had to go to, to the doctor, he was there. When there was trial and test, he was there. I mean, he never left me. There was something birthed that night. I sold out. I made the Lord some promises that night. I'm telling you, it's going to cost you something. And the Lord knows your heart. And when I brought that open heart and I said I don't care what it costs me give me souls give me souls lest I die give me children as Rachel said give me souls God honors that there's some people here that you're right on the tip of this Yes, it's going to cost you, but it's going to be worth it all. I would never, ever go back. I wouldn't change my mind. But that sent me on a journey, and it unfolded. God's order always unfolds. It's not sudden. It's not scary. It doesn't break you. 
It shapes you. And he's gentle. So don't let the voice of the enemy say, well, if you do that, he will touch your family. He'll take one of your children. He'll, he'll mess you up. You'll lose your job. When I start talking about costing, then that gives the devil a foothold if we're not careful. And he comes in. No, what it will cost you will be worth it. And it won't be anything that you would be shocked by. It'll be a progression of events in your life. And it'll always be for your good. Always. It became easy to pray. Matter of fact, I could not wait to get everybody in bed at night. To get everything done. And I would crawl in. I'd go in that room because it was the furthest away from the bedrooms where they could hear me. And I would go in that room. It had a louvered sliding door. And I'd shut that door. And I would crawl up under the, between the piano and the piano bench. I don't know why I chose that. But I would crawl up in there. And I'd curl up in the presence of the Lord. And I would start in with just a childlike prayer. you got to begin somewhere. The Bible says we don't know how we ought to pray. So begin right there. Lord, I don't know how to pray. But I know I want to get in your presence. And I want to have effectual and fervent prayer. I want you to teach me, Lord. It's a journey. Ask the Lord to teach you. If you're not moving forward, then that's time to start fasting some meals. Until you start moving forward. We heard about it today. There was such a hunger and desire birthed in me. And I would start in praying in English. And then something would happen and my tongue language would change. Sometimes I spoke in oriental foreign tongues and I knew I was doing battle for those missionaries in Asia. There were times that I would warfare in other tongues and I would, the Lord would let me know. Many times I had no idea what I was doing. Listen, don't think that anything is out of the, out of the box or abnormal. When you go into prayer with the Lord, let him lead you. And don't be afraid to enunciate and move your mouth and let those words come out. There's power in it. The devil wants to stop you. He does not want you to talk in tongues. He doesn't like that in the airwaves. Because he doesn't know what you're saying. When you talk in English, he can hear you. But when you pray in tongues, he has no idea what you're saying. And he hates that. Because that is when things are shaking and moving in the kingdom of God. And bonds are being broken. And and we're taking over territory. That's where your power is. You can't have that power if you're not sold out. What's that mean? Well, the Lord's going to require some things out of you. And I'll tell you like this, it's different for everybody. You have to learn what you have to give up to have power. First of all, the Lord does not use anybody that's not walking in holiness. I'm talking about in, inward holiness and I'm talking about outward holiness because it's biblical. If you're fighting against holiness, then you need to fast and pray and ask God to show you what you need to do. Because holiness is where your power is. You have no power in the spirit if the devil can point out something in your life. If you give him a finger to touch you and say, but yeah, look at, look at there. Look at there. You, you know, pastor preaches about that, but you're doing it. If you spend continuous hours on Netflix or on the internet or social media and you have an addiction to those things, that's not holiness. 
And you have to learn, what will it take? I, I had to give up a lot of things and I had to draw a line in the sand and say, for me, for me now, please don't judge, for me, I can't have social media. For me, I'm not preaching against social media. I know it's a good tool for a lot of things. But what I'm telling you, for me, for Vicki Vernon to operate in the spirit, for me to have discerning of spirits, for me to know what's going on in the spirit world, for God to speak to me, I cannot have social media. I can't have television. I have to be very careful what I set before my eyes. The Lord might require that of you. If you want it all, there's going to be some dividing lines. And you're going to have to pray and let God convict you and show you what it is you need to do to hear his voice. I'm going to leave that there. I could go on, but I'm going to leave that there. That's between you and the Lord. You need to ask him if you want it. That burden drove me into intercessory prayer. I would intercede with my mouth in English first. Intercede just means to be a go-between. Say, Lord, I'm asking you to touch this child. I'm asking you, Lord, to heal this person. I'm asking That's intercession on behalf of another. But intercessory prayer pushes you over into the realm of tongues where you begin to intercede in tongues. When you intercede in tongues, it can sound very different. It can get loud. It can get quiet. It may be sometimes you're groaning you're feeling the burden so deeply and compassion you see this intercessory prayer comes out of compassion jesus had compassion for the lost for the sick the bible said he was moved with compassion so when you're in prayer that burden will come upon you and you'll be moved with compassion for the person you're praying for and all of a sudden you find yourself deep in intercessory prayer in tongues this is for the church. It's vital that we have it. Babies are not born without travail. We don't have a lot of people get the Holy Ghost because people don't intercede for them. That's the way babies are born. We need a team of intercessors in this church. A team of intercessors that will intercede at home. They'll intercede at the church. If it comes on you in the middle of the service, there's a place that you're designated to go. Perhaps in the middle of the service and, and go into intercessory prayer. Because that's how the battles are won. I realized that things were shifting and changing. I was fasting. I was praying. And I was spending a lot of time talking in tongues in my prayer life. There were powerful prayers going into the air. I didn't realize what they were doing at the time. But I was making intercession. The Lord showed me later that those prayers were going before me. Because prayers never die. And those prayers are still going before me. Down through the time of, of my ministering out. All of those hours spent are still going before me. Things that I prayed for are still coming to pass. That I did not know what I was praying about. Intercession comes out of your compassion and your burden for the lost, the broken, the hurting, the sick. It comes out of your burden for them. When you begin this journey, expect opposition. Keep your armor on. Every day, 101. You put clothes on, it's a good time to put them on right then. You got an extra set of clothes to put on every morning. Write it on your mirror wherever you dress. I've told you this before. Others have told you. Put on 
your helmet of salvation. I don't do them in order because this is the way I memorized it. It was the easiest for me. But I put on my helmet of salvation. I take the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, loins girt about with truth, and feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Put it on every day. But you know, that's not even enough because we leave out the other part of that scripture. The very first thing I do, and it's when I get out of bed in the morning. Lord, I submit myself to you. My mind, my spirit, my soul, my body, everything you've given me, I submit it back to you. My children, my family, my husband, I submit it all back to you. You know what happens? That demon that was assigned to me way back when, he's standing there waiting for an open door. So if I start to try to go into intercession and pray in the Spirit and intercede and operate in the Spirit and I'm not covered, I'm not submitted, that's a recipe for failure. So when he's standing waiting to see what I'm going to do and he hears me say, Lord, I submit myself. He hates that. He holds his ears. He doesn't want to report back to Satan that he heard me do that, that I do it every day, that you do it every day. I'm telling you, it's so important because the fiery darts of the wicked are going to come at you in the morning at noon and night they're going to come at you at work they're going to come at you while you're driving they're going to come at you from the radio they're going to come at you from work people at work school those fiery darts but you know what you'll hear occasionally if you hear in the spirit I have heard it the Lord's allowed me to hear ching ching those darts hitting my armor hitting my shield Hitting my, because he wants to get to your mind. That's where all the decisions are made. If he can get to your mind, he's got you. One time I heard that strange sound. I said, Lord, what is, what is that? That's supernatural. That's not, that's not natural. That's supernatural. He said, that's the clanging of the arrows coming against your armor. The darts of the wicked. Daily. This is a real deal. It's a battle. We are in a battle. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You can't fight this in the flesh. You've got to have on your armor. And so I go about my day. And the next thing that happens is I get a phone call. Two weeks after I was on the floor, I get a phone call. Now, I'm just immersed in fasting and prayer, and I'm excited because this is just awesome. I'm feeling Jesus so close, and I can't wait for prayer time, and I'm just loving this. And I don't know where it's all going to lead, but I know there was a prophecy over me. And, and so here, two weeks after, I get a call. Pastor says, I was on my face in prayer. The Lord's going to hook you up with the same kind of people. That's why I'm here. Because we're apostolic we're not just Pentecostal. We're apostolic in doctrine. We, we know how to operate in the Spirit. This is who we are. We don't have to hide it and cover it. Well, we don't want people to know we do all that stuff. No, it's biblical. We should all be operating in these things. The Lord hooked us up together because that's, we're of like spirit. Uh, this man says to me, I was on my face on the floor, and the Lord brought your face to me. I only met you one time at a youth rally. But I called your pastor and asked him if I could call you. And he gave me the green light. Okay, now that's important right there. The Lord's not going to call you to do things that your pastor doesn't know about. 
You're not going to suddenly appear in the office and say, well, I birthed a Burton when Sister Vernon was here, and now I'm called to Zimbabwe. I'll be leaving next Friday. No, that's not the way that works. And some people have tried it that way, and now they're not even in church. They tried to do it without their armor on and without submission. Because submission doesn't just mean to God. It means to those in authority over you. So my pastor is going to be the one to say, you know, I've been feeling that about you. The Lord's been talking to me as well. Let's talk some more about Zimbabwe. Okay? That's the way that works. My pastor had already been called. So I'm just waiting. And and this man says, I am having a children's, a big children's event. Because I've been busing in over 100 children. And none of them have the Holy Ghost. We've been feeding them. We've been teaching them the word. But the Lord spoke to me in prayer and said, You are giving these children enough information to send their souls to hell. Because they know about me but you're not introducing them to me. Wow. He said, I need to see these children filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. I said, yes, sir, you do. I have the go-ahead to come and do my first children's revival. While I'm still teaching kindergarten and I'm doing all those things at church and I have children and, and, and so on and so forth, but my pastor said I could go. And when I said, well, I don't know how to do one of those... I don't know how to do a children's revival. He said, I'm sure if you pray and ask the Lord, he'll show you what to do. And that's what happened. So when you're asked, don't say no. Some of you in this year are going to be asked to do things you've never been asked to do before. Don't say no. The Lord's opening a door. Walk through the door. So I prepare my first message and some of you have heard the story about the broken heart and the band-aids on the heart and what God will never do. And I set up my, my band-aids and my heart and, and I have my, my guitar and I'm singing and playing the guitar and here's all of these little children that came from poverty stricken homes and drug, drugs and abuse and alcoholism and their parents are broken and, and a mess and they're just they're loving these kids and they keep bringing them in. Compassion. And they're on the front rows, and I mean, they're doing everything but swinging from the chandeliers. I don't, I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> and I start talking, and at that point, I was living in Tennessee, and, um, but I was a transplant from Ohio. And I'd only been in Tennessee a very short while at that point, and not even a year. And so when I'm, I'm talking, all of a sudden, a little boy on the front row said, Mama! He looks back at his mom. There were a few church kids sprinkled in there that attend church. Mama, she talks like a Yankee, don't she? And I, I had my guitar, you know, and here's four or 500 people in the building. They're all cracking up, of course, because they're all probably thinking the same thing. I don't talk like a Yankee up here, but I guess I did to them. And it hit me. I said, well, I may be a Yankee. I may sound like a Yankee, but let me tell you what I am. And I started playing the guitar and singing. I'm a one God, apostolic, tongue-talking, holy roller, heaven-bound, born-again believer in the liberated power of Jesus' name. And as I began to sing that, the Holy Ghost began to move. And when I got to the end of that song, I led the children through four steps of worship. I delivered my message about what God will never do. He'll never break your heart. 
He'll never lie to you. He'll never, never die. All the things God will never do. And I did not even get the musicians up. Those children were running to the altar. They were running. People were lining them up. And I'd given instruction. They were opening a little Band-Aid. And as the music began to play, they were opening that Band-Aid and weeping. I mean, these children were just shaking and weeping and putting a Band-Aid across the broken place on that big heart. It had a big uh, crack across the middle. And they placed that Band-Aid on there and they were falling out speaking with other tongues one after the other one after the other 37 filled in that first service I'm talking about something that happens on the inside of us that burden that is birth that will drive us to do the extra whatever it takes for souls man you talk about wanting to do that again Something lit a fire in me and I thought this is what I was born to do. There should be a moment in every one of our lives that we say, wow, sitting at a Bible study table, teaching somebody across the table, this is what I was born to do. Leading a ladies group, this is what I was born to do right here. Up singing, anointed singing like we had today. This is what I was born to do. There should be something that lights a fire in you. I'd given birth. (laughs) Boy, did the enemy come in like a flood. But I kept praying. I kept fasting. What happens then is when nothing else works, temptation comes. You think you're beyond temptation? Start really working for God and watch what the devil pulls. Oh, he knows what your candy stick is. He's watched you long enough. He knows exactly what it is. And you better know what it is and stay completely away from it. Whatever that looks like. If it means unplugging something. If it means going a different route. If it means getting a different job. Whatever it is. You better be aware of it as much as the devil is. Because when you get on fire and you start winning souls and you have a burden, there will be temptation come. What happened to Samson in his divine calling? He was sent to do a work. And what happened? He got to looking at the girls. Age old problem. Go give me that girl. He wasn't supposed to have that girl. God's mercy and grace brought him through that. But he made it much harder than it would have had to have been because he let temptation come. Be aware. The temptation to back down. The temptation to not pray. The temptation to go back to where you were. The temptation to sin will manifest itself. You know what's happening? That's a good sign. What you say when temptation comes is you put your hand up and say, Oh, no, 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 no. Now I feel really good because I know that I'm right where Jesus wants me and I'm doing what Jesus has called me to do because, devil, you're dumb enough that you bring a temptation now. Oh, no, I'm not turning back. You use that to glory in. You realize I'm doing something right because the devil's after me. Amen? Because what's getting ready to happen, you're not just making intercession, but you're getting ready to take territory. See, when I prayed in intercession, what happened? God broke the back of some spirits and 37 children got the Holy Ghost. 
That came by intercession. But then the Lord took me into a new territory, and I'm speeding along as fast as I can here. So many more things I want to tell you. But I have to get to this. Spiritual warfare is the next step. That is simply taking back territory from the devil. Churches do spiritual warfare in order to gain the prince of the city. We are fighting the prince and power of the air, spiritual wickedness in high places. These things are principalities and powers. Look at it as the devil's kingdom. He has set up a kingdom here on earth. I'm not too interested in his kingdom. I'm just interested about in fighting it and pulling it down. But it begins with you. It begins with you taking territory in your own life. It begins with you recognizing what's going on. And deciding, I'm going to pray and fast until this breaks. So I look back in life, and as far as I could remember, I had a problem with fear. I've told the story about being a little girl and being afraid of dogs. And how miraculously, after years of being afraid of dogs, I'm like eight or nine years old. My mom and dad are done with it. They, there's no sympathy anywhere on, on anybody's part because it's so ridiculous. The spirit of fear is ridiculous. That's how you know it's a spirit. See, it's okay to be afraid of a grizzly bear or a lion. But it's not okay to have irrational fear. I was full of irrational fear. And everybody in my life was done with me. We're having a family reunion. And, and, and they're all outside in my backyard playing all my, my playthings, my swings and, and teeter-totters and stuff. My cousins are out there. But they brought their dog. So I won't go out. My parents are so mad at me. And everybody's just, she won't come out because there's a dog. And no, you're not putting the dog up. She needs to learn. They tried everything and nothing worked. And as a little girl, I stood and looked through that window out to the backyard. And I said, Jesus, I know you could take this fear away from me right now. And I'm going to believe you for it. In Jesus' name, please, Lord, I don't want to be afraid of dogs anymore. And I am telling you. It was like somebody took my little hand and put it on that doorknob and I was opening the door before I knew what was happening. I slid that door open. Somebody said, oh, well, you just made up your mind. Oh, no. That fear was beyond that. It was a spirit of fear. And what happened that day? The Lord came in on the scene and said, spirit, loose her. Let her go. And that spirit had to let me go. And I stepped outside, and that dog came, of course, running toward me. Pretty big dog. And I reached way back past his mouth and patted him back here. And he jumped up and licked my cheek. And everybody cheered, and it was all over. Fear. So the Lord delivered me. But the enemy knew that that door could be reopened if I would allow it. And it would be twice as big. And that's what happened. I started traveling. I had to quit my full-time job. And, and I'm traveling full-time. And I'm going all over the United States. But when I got, you know, people started saying, well, we want you to come to Africa. or we want, I said, no, I don't do airplanes. I'm sorry. Who doesn't do airplanes? I didn't. <laughs> because I didn't realize that door had reopened. And now I'm afraid to fly because I might, I might die and my children would be left. And the plane is going to crash if I'm on it for sure. And so I don't want to fly. And then I get in hotel rooms and it's dark and I'm by myself. 
and I just have to stay one night because I'm preaching. You know, I preach tonight and I'm preaching tomorrow morning and then I'm going home. But, but I don't want to be in that hotel room. And I take two knives from home and sl- put them in the door and put a chair up under the knob and turn on all the lights and put on gospel music. And that's how I sleep. And I really don't sleep because I'm terrified. And I can't explain why. And I know this is irrational, and I'm ashamed to tell anybody. And one time I did have to fly on an airplane because it was way far, California, and I couldn't drive, and I made myself get on that airplane. And I promise you, it was so irrational that there's a businessman dressed in a nice suit and tie trying to do his work, and I grab his arm and beg him to let me hold, hold his arm the whole time because I'm irrational. I'm terrified. Terror is real. If you've ever dealt with a spirit of fear, you know how real it is. Some people are afraid they're going to die. And every time they get a sniffle, the the devil says, you're dying. This is it. This is the final thing. You got COVID times seven right now, and this is it. You're dead. Every time you get a sniffle, you're sitting among us. Fear. Spirit of fear. It is the most paralyzing thing. The devil uses it more than any other tool because fear is the opposite of faith. And here I am. I prayed myself into a place of faith and I believe God for anything. And all of a sudden I can't stay alone in a hotel room and I can't fly on an airplane. God has not given us a spirit of fear. So I'm in the hotel room by myself one night and I'm tired of it. I got invitations to go places, and I won't go. And I know God is, God is, he's got me in a pressure cooker now. It's been revealed, and I got to do something about this. And it's not a matter of me going and somebody else laying hands on me. I got to do this. So I'm in that hotel room alone, and I'm in the bed, and I'm telling you the lights were on, and I'm all curled up, and I'm trying to sleep, and I got the cover over my head and I feel a presence in the room and I hear breathing and I think I'm being robbed because that's one of my fears I'm going to be robbed while I'm alone I have nothing to rob me of I'm scared to death and and so I I peek out the covers and I promise you there stands a spirit manifested to me a demon spirit and I realize in that moment this is the spirit of fear this is what it looks like I'm not going to describe it to you I could there's no reason to do that but I mean I saw it manifest and I am curled up and I pull that cover over my head now this is where I can mark back to the first time that I did spiritual warfare because now I'm not interceding for somebody else I am going to take territory it's going to be territory that I'm forever going to own from the enemy that he cannot take back and so I begin to go into deep tongues I am warring now I'm under the covers because I'm scared but I am warring I am screaming scripture and I am talking in tongues and I am telling the devil what for I'm reminding him of what God has done I'm quoting scripture after scripture listen in warfare prayer you better have some scripture under your belt that's how we fight the enemy is with scripture that's how Jesus fought the enemy in the garden was with scripture we use the word of the Lord they begin to tumble out of my mouth and then I would go back into warring what is warfare what's the difference between inner 
intercession and warfare. It is simply the intensity. Intercession could be for anything, anybody, for yourself. It is necessary for everyday prayer. But I'm telling you, warfare comes in seasons. No one can live in warfare all the time. Because what happens? You are fighting the powers of darkness. And you're taking territory. It is time for this church to take back some territory that the enemy has tried to steal. It is not too late. It is not too late to take complete authority and power in this area. It is not too late for end time revival. For every prophecy to be fulfilled that was ever cast over this pulpit. But we got to believe it. I warred all night. I was as exhausted if, as if I had been doing physical combat. I had warred all night. However, I had never come out from under the covers. And the dawn began to break. And I pulled those covers down. And he's still standing there. And I said, Jesus, what in the world? I have warred all night. I don't know what you want me to do. I've used scripture. These things are supposed to work. And the Lord spoke to me ever so gently. And he said, you can't cast out fear with fear. The Lord might require something of you. I threw those covers back. I sat up on the side of the bed, knee to knee, with that spirit, that gruesome, awful spirit. That they're, they're, they're around all the time. But the Lord opened up my spiritual vision to see that spirit. I sat up knee to knee, and I said, I will not fight you with fear any longer. I take on the authority and the name of Jesus right now. And I command you by all the faith in the shed blood of Jesus to leave me alone I'm taking back this territory and all of a sudden he turned and he walked right through that door and was gone wasn't very long until I was in evangelist quarters I was with my two little girls we were there for several days and the doors were slamming opening and shutting and slamming had that happened a week before I'd have been out of there I'd been in the car on my way home. I went in the kitchen of that evangelist quarters and the bowls were spinning. Sitting up in the counter, in the, in the cabinet, spinning. You say, no, nah, I don't believe that. Well, I don't care if you believe it or not, it happened. Why? Because the enemy of my soul was so angry that I had taken back that territory because he knew what fruit it was going to possess, what, it was gonna, what we were going to possess by just simply giving that territory back to the Lord. I don't have to fear anything. You don't have to fear anything. I'm talking to somebody today. He's got you. Don't be afraid today to give birth to a burden because you're afraid of what might happen. God's got you. What did you do? I commanded them to stop. Devil, stop your silliness. We've got to get some rest. Quit that in the name of Jesus. And he did. 
Faith. I'm talking about faith. And in that very revival, we had over 42 children filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God began to pour out His Spirit weekend after weekend. I quit my full-time job just like the prophet said I would. I've never been back teaching again. I've been full-time all these years. Why? Because when Jesus says it, it's done. Some of you need a word from the Lord today. You need to hear from God before you leave this building. I went to Brother Tamil's church. It's on the road. I traveled from Tennessee. I love Brother Tamil. Brother and Sister Tamil. I went to their church and he said, Sis, we got a problem. He said, I've got about 10 children, ages 6, 7, all the way to 16 that won't be baptized in Jesus' name. They've all got the Holy Ghost, but all of them are terrified. I said, Brother Tam, well, that's abnormal. He said, I know, that's why I'm telling you. He said, I don't know what in the world. We talk to them, we counsel with them, we let them watch baptisms, but every time we start to approach it, they're just, they're scared. I said, Brother Tam, well, that's a spirit of fear. We're going to take care of that. So what do you think happened? You see, once you gain territory from the enemy, he cannot operate in that territory while you're around. I walked in there. That, that, that spirit of fear, that deliverance wasn't just for me. It was for everybody I ever meet. I got those kids together on Friday night and, and I told pastor, bring them, bring them to me. We lined them up and I laid hands on every one of them and I bound the spirit of fear. I commanded fear to loose. You know what? I didn't have to travail. I'd already done that. I had dominion. I just come, you fear, you let this baby go in the name of Jesus. And I looked at all of them. I said, now all of you are going to be baptized Sunday. Get ready. Tell your parents, whoever you want to be here, because you're all going to be baptized Sunday in Jesus. Name. I spoke it as though it were. I walked in Sunday morning, and because there were so many of them, when the service started, the music was playing, they had this big baptismal tank with curtains. You've seen it. And they pushed those curtains back, and here stood ten children in the baptismal tank, all in their robes, standing there grinning. They, they were all ready to go down in Jesus' name. That thing broke. Why? Because I took territory. we got to take territory back from the enemy. What is it that you need God to do? What spirits associated with that thing? You need to think today how am I going to get my children back in church I'm going to pray and I'm going to take authority I'm going to go from intercession into warfare and I'm going to take authority over those spirits that have my children bound <laughs> my job is not to know what the devil's strategy is my job is to know the will of God you know the will of God you don't have to look around for the devil behind your back and around every corner. And Don't be one of those you know, people that just look for the devil. Just know what the will of God is. That's all you need to know. Fear is faith in reverse. You can't have faith and fear. Somebody once said fear is false, E, evidence, A, appearing, R, real. Fear knocked. Faith answered and no one was home. Because you're out busy. You can't lose a battle with the devil. You can't lose if you have faith. Establish your authority with Scripture. Use tongues. You might have a fighting, intense spirit on you. That should not be done in the church service. If you do that up here, somebody's going to come and tap you on the shoulder and say, Hey, 
You know, you're scaring new people. Why don't you do that at home or do it in the middle of the week? Do it back in a room. Use wisdom. We don't, we don't want to come to the altars and start warfare prayer. Now, if we're having an extra prayer meeting and the whole place is in warfare, that's different. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in a regular service. But some of you are going to start stepping into this. And God's going to begin to move things for you and for the church and for this community when you start warfare prayer. You see, intercession comes out of your burden, your compassion. But warfare comes when you're ready to fight. When you're ready to take back what the devil's stolen. It is an intense ability to operate in the spirit in order to take territory. To bring down strongholds. More revelation will come to you when you gain territory in the spirit. You'll begin to operate in the gifts. There are seasons of this. Some of you have gone out of that season and you haven't gone back to it. It's time. There's a call of God to get back in the season of intercession and warfare. Will you come and play softly? God can do whatever he wants. He's God. There's no cookie cutter. That's why you can't say to someone, well, that didn't really happen. You made that up. Oh, no, God can do anything the way he wants to do it. I have gotten up from a place of prayer. I'll never forget one time. When I started seeing in the spirit world, I started seeing a lot of demonic activity it's not pleasant but then at the same time I begin to see angels I remember one night I was praying for my family my children I was weeping for my children I want my children to be saved and I got up from between the piano bench and the piano and I went to the little tiny windows in the front door so we hours in the morning two three o'clock in the morning and I just glanced out those little windows and there were angels lined up both sides of my driveway with their swords drawn crossed over top of each other guardians of my family the Lord said I heard your prayer I want that kind of intimate relationship with him that he can trust me that he'll show me things that I'm his and he is mine and that he knows my heart and nothing is more important to me nothing than one more soul. Brother Vernon looked at me today. He was sliding all over the road. And the roads were terrible. Coming from Evansville. And those back country county roads. He looked over at me. And he said how many times have we said. What is it worth. For one more soul. It's worth whatever. That looks like. To me. It's been quite a journey. But the worst, I guess, thing that ever happened on the journey, as I'm closing, I told you about my daughter, Rachel, being missing. She left, ran away at 16. She just had something in her heart that she was determined to play out that was not of God. She had a call in her life. Jason Sisko prophesied over her when she was six that she would have my mantle she would preach the gospel that she would pray lots of people through to the Holy Ghost that she would have her mother's mantle she would sit behind me when I drove on crusades with her little tiny hand at six, seven years old she got the Holy Ghost when she was four 
She'd have that little hand on my shoulder when we'd be in traffic. And I remember one time a horrible, horrible snowstorm. And I'm barely keeping the car on the road and her little hand and talking in tongues. Backseat. Called. Gifted. But at 16, she got off, off the path. And she ran away from home. She was gone seven months and eight days without a phone call. The FBI was involved. There were posters of her all over. Endangered runaway. No one could find her. Wasn't like the television shows. They didn't just magically come up by searching. Oh no, seven months, eight days. They, they couldn't find her. You think the devil wasn't laughing? Look, look here. You've been out winning the lost and this is what you get. What kind of mother are you? You want to be a preacher instead of a mother? Oh, and you're doing family ministry. You're snatching other people's kids from hell while yours is going to hell. Oh, I heard those voices so strong. But every time I'd have to come back up from those low places and say, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What is truth here? So you have to sometimes speak truth. And if you can't do it, you have to have people in your life that will. And truth was, I raised her right. She knew what to do. She benefited by the ministry. It didn't hurt her because she, her mother was in ministry. That's a lie. And did it disqualify me? No. Because she stepped into adult world and made the wrong choices. Did that disqualify me? No. The devil was coming against me with those fiery darts. Thank God I knew to stay submitted and keep on my armor. It was a rough seven months. But for seven months while she was gone, I went from church to church and I ministered on Sunday morning with the tears pouring down my cheeks. And people probably wondered, where's all the tears coming from? I was, I was so broken. But I, the Lord required it of me. I just kept going. I just kept preaching. I'm telling you, over 800 were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in that seven months. I never touched a one of them. I never came down off the platform. There was such a supernatural move. All I do is just say, receive the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost would fall when I am weak. I am strong because of Him. But I said all that to say, you see, I had learned how to war. The devil wasn't counting on that. When I was in the car one day all alone and they called and said they found her body in the ravine and they wanted dental records and I needed to go get those dental records and I pulled over the side of the road and I beat my head on the steering wheel as if she were dead and then something came in that car and I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This is a lion spirit. It's not her because there was a prophecy. There's a prophecy. I was there when I dedicated her to the Lord. I was there when she got the Holy Ghost down by a rocking chair. Devil, you're a liar. I was there when she went down in the water in Jesus' name. Devil, you're a liar. Take back territory. You talk about warfare being essential. Oh, man, I went to war. But you see, the sorrow kept me weeping and crying and weeping and crying some more. And finally one day I said, Lord, I don't feel like you're hearing me. And the Lord said, well, you haven't asked me one time how to pray. The Bible talks about praying amiss. Keeping to your own lusts what you want. Praying just because this is the way I want it. I want her to come home and I want it this way and this way and this way. And the Lord said, you haven't asked me how I want it. How to pray. 
Oh, man, I got an answer. That's the first time God had spoken to me about it in seven months. I kept asking, and finally he answered. And I went to the phone, and I called Bill Cisco, and I called Tom Barnes. And I called people that operated in the spirit, that knew God. And I said, what's this mean? How should I pray? The Lord's not telling me. I feel like there's a specific way, a spirit I should pray against. And and they said, well, we'll pray about it. We'll get back with you if the Lord shows us anything. See, some things are just your battle. That was not their battle. That was my battle. And I'm in a church in Connecticut. Prince and power of the air over that region. I know it well. And that message I have prepared, the Lord says, put that away. And I want you to tell the Rachel story. And I said, Lord, you've got to be kidding me. She's missing. How can I tell the Rachel story? He said, tell it. I draped myself over that pulpit and opened up my mouth. And I'm telling you, I sobbed and wept out that story, every detail of it. I've never even told you because it takes so long, all the details, the many lies the enemy brought. She wasn't dead that day. That wasn't her body in the ravine. No, she wasn't in the house of prostitution where somebody, 10 people identified her. No, it wasn't her. The devil was coming after me. It was all about coming after me. And on that Sunday, after I delivered that message, uh, that's why I know it doesn't matter what I preach or how well I do. It's the calling and drawing of the Spirit. That's what we've got to have. Because that, that message was a mess. But when I got done, people were running to the altar. There were young people that were, were forgiven of fornication. There, there were couples that reunited. There were children filled. There were adults filled. Teenagers reconciled with their parents. I mean, God just did it. And I sit down on the front row. I'm exhausted. Tom Barnes hasn't called me back. And I'm still saying, Lord, show me how to pray. A Hispanic man comes, puts his arm around me, and he, he, he doesn't know the whole story. He just knows what I've just told. And he doesn't know that I've asked God how to pray. I didn't tell him that. And He sits down and he said, the Lord just spoke to me and said, you've asked God how. Now, please put tuck this away for future reference. He's not a preacher. He's a saint that operates in the spirit, that's birthed a burden, that stays in travail and warfare. And God spoke to him. I said, yes. He said, well, I have the answer. She is with an illegal Hispanic drug dealer, correct? I said, that's what we've been told. He said, well, the Lord spoke to me that the name of the spirit that has her bound is Brujaria. It's witchcraft. It's voodoo. It got a hold of her when they got together and they had a union together and they they were not, they fornicated. His spirit meshed with her spirit. That's what happens, young people. That's why you wait for the one God has for you. And that spirit began to get a hold of her. And she's been lying ever since. She's, she, she doesn't know how to get home. The back of that has to be broken. Wouldn't it be awful if we have loved ones that will never come in? If we don't warfare, we're not even asking God how to pray. Man, she didn't have to tell me twice. 
I got up, I went running. There was a wooden cross leaning up against the wall they used in a, a, an Easter drama. And I ran to that cross. I, I fell at the foot of that wooden cross. And you talk about warfare. You talk about not being pretty. I got in the spirit. And they began to gather in behind me, the ladies of the church. Now, no one knew what he told me. But that spirit of warfare got a hold of the whole church. The men were on one side, the ladies on the other. And warfare prayer went out into the heavenlies oh man the devil said that's not what I wanted to happen I said Haria, you loose my baby and let her go in the name of Jesus I command you to loose her and let her go I talked in tongues for 45 minutes. Warfare. I was slashing an invisible sword in my hand as I warred. I didn't care what anybody thought. I was warring for my baby. And then it, it lifted. Peace came in. The pastor came and he said, Thus saith the Lord, Rachel has turned her face toward home. She is coming home. The church rejoiced with me. And I'm telling you, I still didn't see her. I still didn't have a phone call, but I had a word. It was done. I went home and baked cookies and I got a room ready and it was already done. That's what you do when you get your healing. You don't say, well, maybe, or let's see if I have any pain or let's go see the doctor first. Oh no, you say it's done. I don't see it. I don't know it yet for sure, but it's done. I got a word. That's how faith talks. That's how faith operates. You don't take no for an answer. Sure enough, Tuesday morning, I get a call. Ma'am, my name is such and such, and I have your daughter, Rachel, in my office. I said, where are you? She said, I'm located in Boston, Massachusetts. Now, I was in Connecticut. When I tell you, it was very important that I was in that same principality. I just happened to be when we broke the back of that. She said, she has come to me and, and she's pregnant and she's distraught and I'm worried about her. The doctor was worried about her when he told her yesterday. She and her boyfriend are in the office and she wants to come home. So I'm here to, to help facilitate that. But I, I want you to tell, I want to tell you what she said. She said, listen, my mom is in ministry and I know better than what I have done. And I don't know why I kept lying and kept getting farther and farther away. But I want my baby to be raised in this truth. I want my baby to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to get back home. And she said, well, Rachel, what, what type of faith are you? She said, we are part of the United Pentecostal Church International. She said, well, how about that? The, the counselor said, so am I. I just transferred here. You're my first client. I just started this week. The, 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 the Lord transferred me to this area. I go to Brother Bennett's church in Boston. One of our churches. God had it all planned. But will you be a part of the plan? What's it going to cost me if I do? What will it cost you if you don't? What will it cost if we don't? That should be the question. Because let me tell you, Gabriella is 18. The baby that was birthed 
out of that testimony who has been the most joyous thing of my life to watch her grow playing the keyboard she's been on three missions trips sold out for God well what about the prophecy I bet I bet her testimony changed all that oh no She's been the youth pastor for Vosus Unitas in our home church there, Calvary Gospel, for six years now. And just a few weeks ago, it wasn't the first time, but again, I got to hear her deliver the word of the Lord. Mama's mantle on her shoulders. Don't let the devil destroy your dreams. Wake up. What if I don't fast and pray? What if I don't travail? What if I don't intercede? Not what if I do. God has great miracles and things he's getting ready to do for this church. For you personally. But don't get up and go out of here and face the weather and get you something to eat and forget about all this today. Come. Get on your face and give birth to a burden today. Just make an altar, a place that you'll go back to time and time again like I do and say, that's where it happened. That's when it happened. That's when the change came on that Sunday morning when I got on my face and I said, Lord, give me souls, whatever it looks like. I'm willing you stand I'd like for you to make your way to the front don't make me beg you some of you have been sitting on the edge of your seat ready to do this all morning don't pray the same little prayer you always pray but let there be tears let there be sound get into the spirit and talk in tongues a birthing room is not a quiet place this is not the altar call we normally have, but this is a place to give birth. The angels have moved in with their sterile carts, and we are going to help one another birth this burden for the lost, for your lost children, your lost loved ones. Somebody's going to lead it off. Let the sound out of your mouth. Come on, I'm waiting. Some of you that have been waiting to give birth, you've been waiting for this moment. Let the sound out of your mouth. Lift your hands and embrace it right now. Bow your knee if you like, but give birth to this today, Lord. I'm willing. Send it to every nation. 